Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, we are wrapping up in a couple of weeks. Next week we'll end this series, but we're still in the midst of a series called Letters from Heaven. And if you're just visiting us with today, we're taking a look in the book of Revelation, book of Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And you might not have known this, but Jesus Christ himself actually authored these letters. And these letters were spoken into a man by the name of John, and John wrote these letters down into what we know now is the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And if you're just visiting with us, many times people ask the question about the book of Revelation. It's like, all right, well, when Terry, when, he's, when you say that he's written these to seven different churches, were they actual churches? Yes, they were actual churches in the day. And there's a lot of history involved with them, and there's a lot of symbolism that you're going to see in just a second. Um, but many individuals say, well, these don't have anything to do with our church. And that answer is, no, 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 it does have to do with our church. There's a lot of messages that are to that church which apply to our church, uh, which is why we study it and we learn from it from it. And then some people say, well, Terry, is it the church or is it me individually? And the answer is yes, it's both. Um, because the church is not a building, the church are the people. And so as Jesus writes these letters, he writes to the church, but it also affects us personally. And so we ask ourselves the question, all right, God, what is it that you would have me do today? Um, today, I'm thankful. I'm really excited because if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, they've been kind of downers. The last two letters, they've been the churches, they were not doing right things, and it was just kind of just sad. And so today, we're actually going to read about a church named Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is known as an incredible church. And so if you are a happy-go-lucky person like me most of the time, um, then you're happy today because there, there's a happy letter coming your way. Uh, some people are like, praise God, I've been feeling beat up the last two days. But uh, it's going to get better. But as we begin this, uh, I would say to you, one of my favorite television shows that I've watched for several years now, it's been on TV a long time, is called The Amazing Race. And uh, if you followed The Amazing Race, uh, if those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, I'll just kind of give you an idea. Um, the Amazing Race is made up of teams of two. They could be uh, husband and wife. They could be friends, relatives. They could be perfect strangers. And these individuals embark on a journey around the world. They travel. They have to accomplish different goals. They have to meet different challenges. And then the last team to check in could be eliminated. And so you don't want to be that last team. And, And over time, I've watched interviews on the producers of the show to say, why do you think this show has lasted as long as it has? And they said, it's very simple. There's one reason. And I'll never forget what they said. They said, there's a lot of shows that have challenges, a lot of shows that have goals that you have to try to accomplish. Um, but what makes our show unique is all about one word, and it's relationship. Because you put two individuals in increasingly difficult situations, and our cameras capture what happens? And people are enthralled by this, which reminds me of a couple from this past season. Their names are Mike and Liz. And if you take a look, Mike is a butcher from Pennsylvania. Liz is a police officer from that same area. They were complete strangers. And this season, they paired complete strangers on day one to go and start the amazing race. And this couple was in Italy. They're in Italy. They're on the race. And I'll never forget the scenario. Yeah, let me set the scene. They're in a car, and Mike is driving the car. Liz is in the back seat, and she has a map. Nothing can go wrong now, I know some of you are saying. And so they're following other teams that are ahead of them, and the other teams turn right on this road. 
because they have to go to a bridge. That's their goal. They're going to a bridge to go. They don't know this, but they're going to bungee jump off this bridge. And as they're traveling, all the cars start turning right. And Liz is in the backseat, and Mike's saying, uh, they're all turning. No, 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 keep going straight. Keep going straight. So Mike keeps going straight. Mike looks out the window, and he sees the bridge. And he says, Liz, I see the bridge. And she says, no, 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 keep going straight. They go for about five more minutes, and Liz says, I think I made a mistake. I think we need to go back. Now watch what happens, and this is incredible. Mike, who's in a country he's never been in, who is driving the car, he doesn't have a map, he has no idea the roads he's on, doesn't know when the next turn is. Mike literally says, and I quote, and I said, God, please, I pray this is not me sometimes in my car, which probably has been, but literally says to her, no, 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 I'm not turning around. She goes, no, 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 we missed the turn. I think you need to, you need to go back. No, 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 I'm not backtracking. No, I'll turn at the next right. And she goes, we don't know if there's going to be a next right. You've never been on this road. She says, turn around. No, I can see the goal. And if I just keep going straight, I'm going to make a right and we'll get there. She goes, you've never been in this country. He says, no. And he's stubborn. And for the next two hours, he kept driving. He, I kid you not, the next scene, he's on a dirt road. And finally, he sucks up his pride and says, well, I guess I need to turn around. Turns all the way around, comes back for a couple hours, and obviously, on this leg of the race, they both were eliminated. And I think to myself, dude, if you would have just turned when she said five minutes later, I think we should turn around, they would still be in the race. Here's the point. He saw the goal. But like for a lot of us, when we have a goal, there's a lot of different turns and twists. How many of you have ever seen your goal and you have a goal so big that you know that God's given you this goal? I need to do this. But for whatever reason, today you sit here on Memorial Day weekend and you've had a goal for a long time. And you think to yourself, you know, I thought by now I would have accomplished that You might just be like Mike. You might be taking a lot of different detours when you know what you have to do to accomplish that goal. And today, Jesus writes a letter to a church and he's challenging this church with a goal that he has set for them. And he gives us great insight on how we can accomplish those goals. Let me make it very, very simple for you. You might or might not be able to read this. Here's the truth. We all have goals. And it's what happens here that dictates whether or not we can reach our goals. I think the truth is if you're sitting here and you haven't reached a specific goal, the reason is, and you won't be able to read this, but I'm going to put it for our TV, there are a lot of obstacles that either we place or are there in which keep us from reaching our goals. And so today we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about those obstacles. We're going to talk about the things that keep us from reaching our goal and what Jesus has to say to give us some practical wisdom. If you've never read the Bible, you've never been in church, this is a good day for you because whether you believe in Jesus or whether you believe in the Bible, it doesn't matter because you're going to gain some incredible wisdom. Now, here's the truth for all Christians in the room. We know that the author of our success rests in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you find that too today as we study. 
If you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 7. You can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app, or you can follow along on the TV as well. We're really glad that you joined us at home as well this Memorial Day weekend. So here we go. Jesus says this, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Pause. If you've been here every week, the angel of the church is the leader of the church, the pastor of the church. So Jesus is writing a letter specifically to the leaders of the churches reminding them of some things, some practical advice. And it's the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. Pause. Let me give you some background in history. If you like history, pay attention. If you don't like history, you can sleep for about 3.2 minutes. Okay, here we go. So Jesus Christ, he puts down there, he says, I am the key of David. And he says, I am the one who is holy and true. This is referencing something if you read in your Bibles a little bit later in Revelation chapter 6. Actually, there's a group of martyrs in this chapter. And they refer to Jesus Christ as the one who is holy and true. And you'll see that specifically throughout. But he says one thing specific. He says, I have the key of David. And he talks about a specific key. And the key is directed to open something. You need a key to open something. And so right away you start seeing Jesus is talking and he's using some metaphors here and he's talking about a key to open something. We're going to learn about what that something is in just a second. He says this, what he opens, what Jesus opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. Continuing on, he says this, I will give him the key to the house of David. Pause. Jesus Christ calls himself the key of David. Key of David is referencing back to a book in the Old Testament. If you're a Bible study student, you like this because this scripture right here actually is a prophecy coming true. The book of Isaiah says this, there'll be a guy who's going to have the key of David. There's going to be a guy who can open doors and close doors. There'll be no one like him. He's going to be a royal court. And that is Jesus Christ. And in the book of Revelation, it matches that prophecy. It says, I will give him the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. When he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. When he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. So why is that important for us? If you're sitting here and you don't know lick about the Bible, why should you care about this? It's very, very important. Because what Jesus is saying to you and I, he says, look, if I give you a door, theologians will say when Jesus says there's a door, what Jesus is talking about is an opportunity. Anytime you see the word door, an open door in scripture, it's an opportunity. And so what Jesus is really saying is this, if I give you an opportunity, in other words, if I give you a goal, if I speak a goal in, that's an opportunity and watch what happens. I am the only one who can open them and I am the only one that can close them. In other words, pay attention. Many of us have goals and we, what we put in the middle dictates whether or not we reach the goal. And what Jesus basically just said is, look, You've got a lot of obstacles that you see in your mind, but the truth is I am the one who controls this. I am the one who is right here. I am the one will help you and dictate to you whether or not you reach your goals. Now watch this, continue on. I know all the things you do and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me, Paul. So Jesus writes to this church of Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the brethren of love. It's the brotherly love. That's where we get the term Philadelphia for our country today. It's started from this. Something that you need to know is this. The church of Philadelphia that he's writing to was a gateway city to Rome in the east. 
it was very strategic because it went through a very horrific period. In 17 BC, this city, along with the city we talked about last time, they had a major earthquake that destroyed and decimated the city. The church at Philadelphia was a part of that recovery process. If you're a historian major, you'll love this. Rome, Tiberius was the emperor. And actually when this happened in 17 BC, Tiberius actually sent an aid package over to the city of Philadelphia. They sent an aid package of about 10 million of their currency. But they also did something stunning that a lot of us would never believe Rome would ever do. They actually said that for five years, Church of Philadelphia, City of Philadelphia, you don't have to pay any taxes. We want you to be able to rebuild. Now, some of you say, why? Why was this important? The city of Philadelphia was the gateway to the east. It was very strategic for Rome. It was a trading city. If people were to come through, it was really, really important. And so the church of Philadelphia were helping individuals to rebuild from a massive earthquake. And so Jesus writes to this church and says, hey, I've opened a door. There's a lot of work. There's people that are not living in the city anymore. They're living in the countryside because they're too scared of another earthquake. That is history. The people of Philadelphia left Philadelphia. They stayed in the countrysides in very temporary housing because they were too afraid to rebuild in the city of Philadelphia. If you ever go to a Latin American country or different countries that have been decimated by earthquakes, you will find a lot of individuals that live in the rural areas. And when you ask them, why are you living here? Say, well, we used to live in the city, but we don't want to go through what we went through before. We don't want buildings collapsing on us. So we'd rather live in the countryside in temporary shelters. So at least if an earthquake comes again, we are safe. And so Jesus says, I've opened a door, an opportunity. And he says this, you have little strength. Church of Philadelphia was not known as a grand, huge church. They were a very, very, very smaller church. But they had great faith and perseverance. And so he says, though you're little strength, I've opened up an incredible door and opportunity for you. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, and I'll explain in a second, those liars that say they're Jews but they're not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones that I love. Jesus writes this. He says, I know you have opposition. There were Jewish individuals in the city of Philadelphia that controlled the synagogues. And if you were a Jewish person and you said, I believe in Jesus Christ, then the other Jewish individuals would stand at the synagogue and say, you're not welcome. And Jesus Christ writes to, about those Jewish people and says this, they are liars and I will deal with them. In other words, what does this mean for you and me? It means this. Jesus says, I will control any obstacle. This has to do with me and you. I am with you. I control what happens here. And so you see obstacles. But I want to tell you something. Church of Philadelphia, you have an obstacle right now that you're facing. I want you to know something. I'm going to deal with them. I will deal with those Jewish people that are not allowing you into the, into the temple, that are not allowing you into synagogue, that are not allowing you to do certain things so that you can continue your mission. Jesus says, I will handle them. In other words, when you see an obstacle, God sees an opportunity. I'm supposed to stand up when I put it up. God sees an opportunity. When you put an obstacle in this place... God looks at that obstacle and says, no, 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 no. You might see an obstacle, but I have an amazing opportunity that I want you to specifically see. The truth is, is what keeps us from reaching our goals are a list of obstacles that God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you an opportunity and I'm going to show you how you can make it come true.
One of my other favorite TV shows, and I'm going to come here, because it talks about reaching your goals. One of my other favorite shows is the show Survivor. If you ever watched the show Survivor. And there's a character who has been on Survivor multiple times and, in fact, is the second longest survivor in show history, some 32 seasons. And her name is Sari. And Sari was just on this last show of Survivor. And the reason I bring her up is because I watched the episode the other day and I saw her. And her testimony, if you don't know her, is this. She sat on a couch and she is a lethargic individual. She said, I, I, don't, I don't work out. I don't do a lot of things. I just sit. I have my same routine, and I don't reach any of my goals. She sat on the couch, and she watched individuals countless times say, I never thought I'd be able to do this. I never thought I'd be able to do this. I worked really hard, and I accomplished it. And she saw people achieving goals, and she sat up from her couch and said, I am going to go and be on Survivor because I need to start reaching my goals. And this is the last thing that I think I could ever do, so I'm going to make it a goal to go on Survivor and actually be like them because I don't think there is any chance of me being able to do it. So she applied. They accepted her. She went on one season and did tremendous. She went on another season, tremendous. She was on this last season, and the reason I bring it up is because we were watching a challenge, and Sari is in the water, and all of, they're setting up this, this balance board, and Sari's on a team, and what she has to do is climb up on this floating platform, and she has to get on a balance board, and she has to walk on water, literally, on a balance board all the way to the other side for her team so that they could win. She climbs up, she gets on, she literally takes one step and whoom, She gets back up. She climbs back up again, takes one more step on it. She does it four, five times in a row, and now she's exhausted. She can hardly get herself up on the platform. The competition ends. Sari's team loses because Sari is still on that one side. She was the last person, and she didn't even get through it. But I want you to pay attention to what Sari does. She's there, and tears are rolling down her face. And she... (laughs) And she looks, why am I getting choked up about Survivor? But she looks at the, at the uh, Jeff Prost, who is the one who runs it. And Jeff Prost says, well, we're done. And she says, no. And Jeff says, Sari, do you want to try and finish it? And she says, yes. So then all of a sudden, Sari tries one more time and she falls in. The next thing was incredible because her team, who had just lost because of her, dives in the water, swims out to the platform, steadies the platform and stays with her to help her to accomplish and overcome her goal. She gets to the end. Everyone's crying. And Jeff Prost basically looks and says, Suri, would you ever have thought? And she said, the reason why I play this game is not for the money. The reason why I play this game is because I sat on a couch and I never thought I could reach any of my goals. And now I'm on a deserted island and I just accomplished another goal. How incredible life is. Here's the truth. I think there's a lot of us in this room that God has given you and me a specific goal. It could be a small one. It could be a big one. And we know that God has given us that goal. But for a lot of different reasons, God says, look, I got an opportunity for you. I got a goal for you. I I think it's going to be great for you. You just got to work hard and I got you right here and you're going to accomplish it. And what we do is we take the opportunity out and we look and we say, no, 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 this is an obstacle. There's no way that I can do it. I can't accomplish it. The truth of the matter, though, is Jesus owns this. This is his. But all we see are the obstacles that get in our way.
What are some reasons, if you're a note-taker, reasons why we don't accomplish our goal? If you're a note-taker, I want to give you these five reasons. Number one, I think it's because of a lack of ownership. I think a lot of us, God speaks into our heart and says, you need to do this, you need to do this. And before we even get it into our brains, we already have a reason why we can't. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. There's no way that I could do that. Don't have enough resources. I can't accomplish that. There's no way, God. And God's screaming into us and saying, no, 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 no. I know you, and I have this for you, and I want you to do it. I've got the middle. Stop putting up obstacles. That's not me. Start putting up and looking that I've opened a door of opportunity. And we said, no, no, no. And so some of us, we just even choose not even to recognize that God's given us an amazing goal. We don't grab onto it and we don't own that goal as well. Number two, time. I think a lot of us in this room, we say, I just don't have the time for it. Now, here's the truth. Something has been constant for a very long time, and that is time. We all have 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. But many of us, we look at this middle and we look at what God says and we say, no, there's no way that I can do this. And we'll make every excuse. Here's the truth. The excuse is a choice. If you sit there and say, I have a goal and I want to reach the goal, then you have to choose how to get to that goal because Jesus is going to be with you right in the middle. And so if you're sitting there and you've got a God-sized goal and you say, I don't have time, I'm going to say, no, you do have time. You just have to choose how to manage your time or what to give up in order to get the goal. You've got to have ownership. You've got to give time. Some of us, we don't want to commit to it. We love the idea, but are half-hearted in the commitment. Number four, I love this. Some of us, we look at it and we just say this, there's not enough reward. God, what do you want me to do? Wait, let me analyze this for a second. So if I do this and if I actually trust you in the middle and if I actually believe you're with me and I actually believe it's your opportunity, okay, if I walk through this, let me look at all the bad things that are going to happen. And you know what? Let me, what am I going to get? Okay, you want to give me this, this, and this, but yet I got to go through this, this, and this. It ain't worth it. I always say this, the juice, in other words, is not worth the squeeze. And so some of us sit there and say, the juice is not worth the squeeze. I'm not even going to buy into it. I promise you one thing. If Jesus Christ gives you a goal, it's worth the squeeze. That has never been said in a church before. I can promise you that. But if Jesus Christ gives you a goal, it's worth the squeeze. Because we're looking with our eyes at what the goal could be. How many of you have ever gotten to the end of an incredible journey to reach a goal, and when someone says, how is it, you say, it's better than I could have ever imagined. I never, never realized. I should have done it a long time ago. I can't believe I wasted so much time. God is so good. How many of you have seen that happen? But we're sitting over here, and we're looking at the goal, and we're saying, eh, not worth it. Number five is tough. Old habits. It's the hardest. We don't want to break habits. True story this morning. I got in here early. I went up to that piano. Many of you don't know this, but when I was eight years old, I used to play piano. I used to play piano in Oregon. They would have me go to the malls. I would sit in front of the Laurie Oregon places, and I would play the piano for them so people would come and watch and then hopefully buy pianos or organs. And I loved playing, and I loved, I loved doing it. But all of a sudden, between sports and piano, I had to make a choice because of time conflicts because of my parents. And they said, you have to choose one or the other. I was 10 years old. I choose sports. And I gave it up. I wish I hadn't. So I went over to that piano. 
And I sat there. And I'm sitting there playing. And I've, I've played one song many, many times. And we all laugh at it as a, as a church because they know I can play this one song that I remember. But there was another song that I worked really, really, really hard at when I learned it. It's Softly As I Love You. Don't Google it. It's a very, very, it's, it's just an old song. But I sat there, and it's a hard song to play. And I said to myself, I wonder if my habit, the amount of hours I put in training my fingers where to go on a keyboard, I wonder if I just sit and if I don't think, if I just do it, if I just pay attention somewhere else. So Pastor Stephen and others were sitting here having a conversation. So what I did was, I didn't know it, I sat there and I said, all right, I'm going to start playing, but I'm not going to pay attention to what I play. I'm just going to listen to the conversation and let my fingers go. Do you know I played that song this morning? I didn't know the chords I was playing. My fingers just rolled over the keyboard. Why? Because your body, it's easy to do habits that you formed. It's very simple for your hands, your mind, everything about you to ease into habits that you formed. Why don't we like new things? Why don't we accomplish new goals? It's because it's hard. Because all of a sudden we say, wait, I got to think differently? Ow, I got enough to think about. You mean I actually got to do things? I got to focus better. I got to work harder. If you've ever tried something new, the first time you do it, you have to focus a lot. And a lot of us say, old habits. I just, it's easier to just keep doing what I do. Now I want to challenge you. If you have a goal, and in a second we're going to give some practical tips on how you can get it. If you have a goal, I want to show you what Jesus Christ says. That for those of you that actually say, God, you got the middle. You've opened the door. If I actually follow this, this is what you're going to do for me. Pay attention to what he says in Revelation. He says, because you have obeyed my command to persevere because you've seen this as an opportunity and you are working really hard at this opportunity because you're doing that don't miss this i'll protect you i will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world i am coming soon hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown isn't it great The minute you look at your goal and the minute you say, but God, if I do this, then this is going to happen. Then this is going to happen. Then this is going to happen. Jesus says, Terry, if you persevere, if you trust that I got your middle, that I've given you the opportunity, that it's my goal I've given you, that I will protect you. But God, what about, I'll protect you. But God, what about, I'll protect you. Do you trust me? I said, I'll protect you. This is mine. And you're treating it as an obstacle, and it's really an opportunity. This is mine. And he goes on with something beautiful. And if you fell asleep, wake up, because you're going to love this. Because if you ever wondered if Jesus was a personal God, if you ever wonder if he actually cared about where you live, who you are, the community you're in, do you know that Jesus knows that this is Myrtle Beach? Jesus knows that this is Bike Week? And Jesus knows that you're traveling down the road thinking different things? He does. Because I can show you how. Take a look at what he writes. For all who are victorious, for all who trust me, for all that I protect, you'll become pillars. Pay attention to that word and I'll come back to it. Pillars in the temple of my God. And they'll never have to leave it. And I'll write on them the name of my God. And they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them a new name. Anyone who with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Now watch this. 
two things. Pay attention. I mentioned to you that this city was ravaged by earthquakes. The reason why Jesus says, I'll make you a pillar, is because in this community, the pillar was a symbol of strength to that community. Because the buildings that were built on a strong foundation with large pillars that went deep into the ground were the buildings that withstood the earthquake. So there was a massive building project going on in this city where new buildings needed to have deep pillars. And so pillars were the symbol of safety. Pillars were the symbol of strength. Pillars were the symbol of long-lasting. They respected the pillar. So Jesus not only says, hey, I'll be with you. He says, look, I'll make you a pillar, which the people of Philadelphia would have understood specifically to say, you'll be safe. If you trust me, I'll protect you. You'll be safe. One last thing I love. In that specific city, in order to commemorate an individual for something well that they did, they would write their names on pillars so that people would walk by and see the strength and recognize that individual. Jesus basically says this, look, for those of you who don't look at an obstacle, but look at this as an opportunity and trust me, I will protect you and you will know that you will be long lasting, that you don't need to worry. You don't have to worry about things happening to you because I will protect you and your goal is my goal. Now, here are three things for those of you personally say, Terry, I'm terrible at my goals. I'm terrible at reaching my goals. Here are three things that I just wrote down as praying time and just saying, God, what are some some tips that I can give to be able to help us to accomplish our goals? Here we go. Number one, I wrote this. Number one, first and foremost, accountability. Accountability. Because we're human. I don't care who you are. If you think you are the strongest person in the world and you could do anything, watch out. Watch out. And so admit I need help. The reason why I haven't gotten this goal is because I keep trying to do it on my own. And the truth is I continue to make excuses. So I need accountability. I need some, I'm going to share my goal with someone. I'm going to tell them this is what I believe God is sharing with me. And I believe God wants me to do. And I need your help to walk alongside of me. So make sure that I can accomplish my goal. That's number one. Number two, I put this very simple read. Some of you have goals and you say, no, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But you don't study. You don't research. You don't look in. And so the reason why you give up is because you start marching toward a goal and you start getting hit sideways left and right. And then you start getting scared and then you stop. Understand the goal that you're trying to be. I had one person who said, Terry, I want to be a pastor. And I said, well, that's great. I said, you know, I'd love to sit down with you on a week-to-week basis. I mean, you you write a list of questions and just ask me a ton of questions and I'll be more and I'll kind of ask you questions. He said, yes, 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 yes. He came one week and he came there and he talked all about what he wanted to accomplish. He didn't ask me a single thing about what it means to be a pastor. What do you have to know? What do you have to do? What are the dangers? He didn't ask any of it. He just said, I want to do this and I feel God's called me to do this and I think I can do a great job and I think this, this, this. And I sat and listened for 30 minutes and went, well, I guess he's got it all figured out. He didn't show up the next week. And so after that, stop coming. The next thing I know, he's no longer wanting to be a pastor. And I went up to him and I said, hey, what happened? I haven't seen you in a while. He goes, Well, you know, gosh, you know, it's just time. You know, it's just, you know, I I got this going and this and that. And he gave up. So I would tell you, learn. If you're sitting there and you got a goal, learn, commit, focus. Get the energy to understand the goal that God's given you. Number three, last but not least, you need to connect. 
And some of you are saying, well, Terry, accountability, connect. No, 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 two different things. Accountability is specific, strong speaking. Connection is this. Make it public. It's really, really easy to let an accountability partner down. You say, I give up. It's one person. It's really difficult when you commit and you share with others, I believe God's calling me to this, and I want you to pray for me, and I'm going to keep you connected. I'm going to tell you specific things to pray for me about, but I want you to walk along on this journey with me. For individuals that will walk through, you can see incredible reward through the opportunities that God can specifically give. The question is, do you believe that when you see the obstacle, God sees opportunity? He's got you. He protects you. You can do it. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for a very practical message to the church of Philadelphia. I pray for the individual in this room. I pray that though they sit right now and they're thinking of that God-sized goal that they know you've placed on their heart and they're questioning, they're doubting, I know it's God. Lord, I pray that they would not feel lost. Instead, I pray that they would know that you are willing to lead them. You are willing to go before them. You are willing to stand in the gap and protect them. So may they make a commitment today that they will accomplish that goal, that they won't give up, but they'll be steadfast. May they trust you in the middle. And I look forward, God, to hearing incredible stories of how you met them and they accomplished their goal. Father, I pray in this moment as our worship team sings, I pray, God, that we would talk to you, that we would tell you, God, lead us. Lead us. So, Father, in this moment, may you speak to your people. And may they commit to you whatever you call them to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.